truly is a blessing to know that we can lay all of our anxiety, all of our burdens on that mercy seat and walk away from it. So anyway, so we are in 1 Samuel looking at the life of David in chapter 26. going to be 26, 27 tonight. Got to move quick. I'm going to stop. I'm going to talk fast, so you have to listen fast. Anybody get that? Verlin, thank you. Now, there's a little bit of feedback here. The rest of you are zombies. I think Wes is right. The rest of you need a nap, but you're not going to get it tonight because I'll just get louder if I see you snoozing. You know what we're going to do with our live stream? What we're instead of a kiss cam, we're going to do a sleeping cam. While I'm preaching, Tyler, I want you, if you see anybody like, I mean, the drool is really getting with it, you know, you need to zoom in on them. We're going to make them famous tonight, all right? So, <laughs> and, and then what we need to do when we zoom in on it like that, we need to put it on the screen, too. So now everybody's scared to death, won't I? All right. <laughs> Such a good day to be in the Lord's house and, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's a blessing. It, it's a, it's just a little thing, but those of you who are able to go home and rest and and uh, take a nap and and just uh, give the Lord the day and be refreshed, and now you're ready to go out for the week and deal with whatever the the world wants to throw at you. We're we're ready to go. We are uh, charged up spiritually and and ready to do that and. Uh, God will bless you for being here, and he, he is going to give you something, and I always pray that, that I preach in, in the Spirit and that uh, as we look at his word, that there's always something that you can take home and uh, use it in your life and uh, just help you to be better and to equip you for whatever uh, the devil wants to throw at you this week. So we, we continue to look at this life of David, and uh, God spends a lot of time with, with the beginning of David's life before he, he's already been anointed and anointed king. God told him that he's going to become king. And this is a number of years. I'll go back whenever, <laughs> whenever we get to the point when he takes over as king. We'll look at how many years it's been that, that since he was anointed uh, king by Samuel. And, and it's a number of years. And uh, waiting to to take over and and he could have pushed that and he and he could have uh, had opportunities to take Saul's life. We're going to look at another one of those today, and uh, one of the second times that he could have uh, easily killed Saul and and moved into that position. But <laughs> we see his his integrity uh, shows and and so we are uh, going to continue and and in this you just you continue to see the. The, the difference between Saul and between David. And David was a man of integrity. Saul was just a man full of recklessness and, and uh, godlessness in his life. And that's what we're going to continue to see tonight. And, and a number of things that, that are, are going to give us uh, some characteristics of, of who David is. And one of the characteristics, first of all, not of David, is of Saul. And that's the first four verses of chapter 26. And here we see the recklessness of Saul. And it says, And the Ziphites came unto Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of uh, Hekeliah, which is before Jeshimon? Now, <laughs> how many times have we seen now where, where here is David, 
hiding from Saul. He, he's hiding from the king uh, of the nation. I mean, he's hiding from, from God's own uh, chosen people. And here he is. He knows he's been uh, uh, anointed king. And he knows there's going to be a day when he's going to stand and he's going to rule these people. And, and so he's going out and he's hiding out and he's, and he's trying to find a place where there's solitude. And, and it seems like he goes into somewhere for a little while and then there's always those that are looking to promote themselves or looking to help out and in, in, in maybe better their own position. And, and once again, here he is, he's hiding out and somebody else sells him out. And so they tell, they tell Saul where, where David is at. And, and if you remember, we, we already know that, that uh, Saul had already just uh, shortly before this could have lost his life and, and David didn't take it. And, and, and we see that David responded with, with a, uh, a, truly, uh, a true respect for the, the king. And, and now here he is and Saul had said, I won't chase you anymore, and, and, and it's not going to happen. And David watches Saul leave, and then David's like, yeah, right, he's not going to do it again. And then then you remember he leaves, and he runs into Nabal, and, and Nabal really tests his patience. And, and, and you can see how <laughs> the, the, mental, the, the, the mental challenges that are going on in David's life during this time, here he is trying to do the right thing, and, and he's not going to raise his hand against God's anointed, and he's, and he's not going to do that, and, and, and so he's going, and he has a great victory, and, and then as soon as he leaves, and, and this great victory of not taking Saul's life, and keeping God's blessings upon his own life, and, and not ruining the testimony, if, if he'd have gone in and, and, and done that, then he wouldn't be the, the kind of king that God wanted him to be, and had this great victory, and then he's running down the road and thinking, man, what a victory, and runs right into Nabal, and here's the great challenge. And we see this over and over and over. We see it in our own lives. We, we can see it in other people's lives where, uh, where, where you can have that mountaintop experience, and, and you can have such a good day in, in your walk, and then the very next day you can fall flat on your face because of the challenges that come. And that's, look, that, that is a cycle, and, and you need to realize that, that what, what Satan has done and been so effective for thousands of years now, that, that why would he change anything when it's so effective? Well, we need to understand and, and start seeing those patterns and, and start guarding ourselves against those things so that whenever you do have a victory in your life and, and God's doing something good in your life and, and you're seeing these things, then beware, pay attention because the attacks are going to come. Well, here we see that this is all going to happen again and, and, and we see the pounding and, and the constant pounding here going on and, and so here uh, he's turned in again and then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul pitched in the hill of uh, Hakaliah, which is before Jeshimon, by the way. But David abode in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. And it's almost like he's like, I, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And David, therefore, sent out spies and understood that Saul was come in very deed. Certainly, as surely he was. He's like, I can't believe this. Here, here we go again, and, and here comes Saul trying to, 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 to take my life once again. And, and so, and, and in this, I titled that, those first four verses, The Recklessness of Saul, 
How long is it going to take for Saul to realize that he has absolutely no power in taking the life of someone that God has anointed and God has his hand on him and David will not die until the day that God says that David's going to die. And Saul needed to understand the the, the wonderful, miraculous, uh, uh, supernatural protection that was on David during this time, but in his recklessness, he just continues to flaunt himself and and harden his face against uh, who God is and, and what God is wanting to do. But in this now, we see another victory. We see the respect of David in, in the rest of this chapter. And David arose and came to the place where, where Saul had pitched. And David held the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, and the captain of his host, and Saul lay in the trench, and the people pitched round about him. And so here we know the king was laying in the middle and, and even in a, a low spot where he's protected from the spears and, and, and they're laying around him and keeping him protected. And all around him are all these people that are laying around him and, and protecting their king and, and thinking that he's safe. And, and may I say also that when you are not walking under the protection of God, you're not safe. And here we see that God could have taken Saul out if he wanted to, and, and David could have done so, but, but here we see that he didn't do this. And, and, and so, you know, something else that I think is interesting in this passage, and David arose and came to the place where Saul had pitched. Give thought to this. 600 men is about what David had. Saul now, the king of Israel, has 3,000 men. Even as good as these guys are, that, that they know that this is going to be a battle that they're probably going to lose. And, and I look at this and I think when, when, when David is walking with God, I mean, he is the epitome of courage. He is the epitome of, of, of the, the, the true example of, of what God can do in the life of a believer that is, has total faith and trust in God and walking with him. Here he is, sees this, watches Saul, pitches tent, and he says, let's go down there. That's real courage, or it's no brain. But in this, we see it's courage. And, and, and it's amazing to me how when, when David was walking with God, he had no fear of God. Remember in Psalm 23 that he, he says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, and, and he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, he says all of that. And, 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 the, and, the, and, and how often have we read that Psalm 23 and, and been so encouraged by that and, and seeing here that, that David is giving us that example of a born-again believer that trusts in God and, and do whatever it is that God wants you to do. And here he is. He comes down to the place where Saul had pitched. And, and here he, he, be, he sees the place where they are and and then, I, I love this, he, he says, Then answered David and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishai the son of Zariah, brother to Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul to the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with thee. I, I, I just, I, the, the leadership, I, I, if, if somebody ever wants to take a leadership class or don't, don't waste your money with, with some corporate CEO that maybe knows how to function in the world. Why don't you learn how to do biblical servant leadership 
and go into the Bible and see the great leaders of the Bible. And, and here we look at this, and, and you can see how David, in his passion and, and in his love for God and, and writing these psalms, and can you imagine, here are these guys that have shed blood for this man, and, and they have watched all kinds of atrocities and, and been involved in so many things and in the battles and in the fighting that, that has gone on, and they will even see more along the way. But, and, and they will follow this man to death and they watch his passion but then at night here they are they're laying in the camp and and they hear David over there and 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 maybe he has some kind of an instrument maybe he has a small harp of some sort or 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 something you know you just know David being musical as he is and and as he's picking along in the song and 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 he's saying the words of some of the psalms that we have that that God has preserved and and inspired David to write and here are these bloody vicious men and they're listening to this man who loves God and given a testimony of God And in all of that, they're seeing how genuine he is, and they're telling themselves, and they're looking to their God, the one that they serve, the one that's the God of David, the one that's their God, and said, I'll follow him anywhere that he wants to go. I'll do whatever he needs to do. David said, hey, who wants to go with me? And Abishai says, I'll go. Oh, how passionate we need to be in our walk with God. You do not know who's watching you. You don't know who it is that you might be influencing and you know nothing about them. But I can tell you that if you have children at home, you are influencing them. And they are looking at you. And they're watching you and they're watching your life and they're, and they're seeing what it is that you have faith in. And they're watching and seeing what is it that is important to you in your life and as you lead and, and you show them and, and they too become passionate about those things that you are passionate about. You know, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, there were times where I quit telling them what kind of food I liked. Because if I liked it, then they decided they liked it. And with my kids, there wasn't nothing left. And Gary Norris used to come and stay at our house, and, and I always laughed about this. He would come, and, and, and he always had, you know, he, he has his things he does in the morning, and, and that, that time he was here, he had this routine. He'd make these shakes, and, and he'd make them out of yogurt, and I don't know, and he'd put it all in the blender, and, you know, and, well, my kids like yogurt. And he went in there one morning, and this guy gets up early, 5 o'clock in the morning or whatever, and and, and he gets up that morning, and he goes in there, and, I, and he wakes me up. I can hear him in the kitchen, and he's grumbling around, looking in the refrigerator, and he said, there is nothing sacred in this house. They had eaten all of his yogurt, and I just chuckled and went back to sleep. Thought, drink your coffee, Gary. It'll be okay. But, but here we, we know that, that, uh, that the, the passions that we have, people are watching, and and here, I, I'm just inspired by this. I'm inspired by, by these guys that, that like David and, and how, he can, how, how he can instill that kind of loyalty and, and that kind of passion. And, and, I, and look, I, I'm sure that they have watched God do some miraculous things. And so they're, they follow David because David's following God. And how powerful are these men? So David and Abishai came to the people by night and Behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster. But Abner and the people lay round about him. Then Abishai, then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Second time 
he's heard that statement. Second time, he's heard that by, by someone that, that is loyal to David, somebody that is a good friend, and, and somebody that, that in their mind is thinking that this is the right thing. Remember what I told you this morning and mentioned Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Well, sometimes we don't understand what God's will is, but we know that it's not what everybody else is thinking it ought to be. We trust in him. And here David is getting this counsel and Abishai is saying, look, here he is. God has given him to us again. Now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with a spear even to, to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. I, I, I just think of the, this man was ready to take this guy's head or stick him to the ground and leave him dead. And I'm sure all it would have taken was David nodding his head and giving him the okay. And David said to Abishai, Destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said furthermore, As the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle. And perish. I don't know how he's going to die, but Abishai, we're not going to do it. You know what that says? It, it says two things to me. It says it shows us the power of his leadership because Abishai was a thinker, I'm sure, of his own. But here was David and said, Abishai, we're, we're not going to do this. And he submitted and he humbled himself and he followed his king and he did what it was that David wanted to do. And Abishai knew that. You know, King, this might mean that we are going to ultimately fight all of these people and, and we may come up against our own brothers here at one time. And, and these 3,000, David, do you understand that probably we will die? But he still follows him. And secondly, I see David looking at this and realizing that, you know what? This trial may be a long time before it's over. Because he may die in battle. He may die of old age. God may destroy him. I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to be. Saul probably wasn't a real old man at this time. And so he knows that he might be going through this for many more years. And David was still willing to give Saul a respect that Saul was unwilling to give to David. And he was still a man of integrity. And the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take thou now the spear that is at his bolster and the cruise of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's bolster. And they got them away to no man saw it nor knew it, neither awake. For they were all asleep. But get, look at this. Because a deep sleep from the Lord was fallen upon them. Here, David again knew and understood that God was involved in this. And they watched and they understood that it must have been on some type of a deep sleep that they were like this. He has watched God's divine protection in all of this. 
And then it's, it's just amazing to me that, that we're, we're not sure who wrote Psalm 91. It, it may have been Moses that wrote it, or it may have been David that, that uh, wrote it. We're not sure exactly who it was, but either way, if David wrote it, then God's the one that inspired him to write it. And, or, or, if Saul, or if Moses had written it, then he, I'm sure he had access to that. And, and, and I just can't help the, to think that a psalm like Psalm 91 must have come to, to, to David's mind as, as he is thinking about this divine protection that God has given him. And this is what he says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover them with His feathers and under His wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor for the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. You know, I, I look at that, and, and, and as I read this, and, and not be afraid for the terror by night or the arrow that flieth by day, look, you're, you're, going to, you're going to wake up in the morning, and you're going to be right back at whatever it is that you do during the week, and, and there's going to be the same challenges that you had last week, and, and you're going to be in the same place, and, and you're going to have the same people around you, and, and there's going to be a lot of the same circumstances, and there's a lot of the same stresses going on in your life every week, and and, and you're going to look at this and, and, and you can let it bug you to the point where you're having these terrors at night and, and you're dealing with the, the, the onslaught of Satan every day and you need to get back and realize what David was writing in Psalm 91 or whether it was Moses that wrote it either one, but here we are using that in our lives and understanding that God is still God and He's still there. And he can do whatever he wants to. And what we need to do is find him to be the refuge that he is and stay under that wing. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, uh, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion, the dragon. Shall thou trample under feet, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Oh, what a wonderful comfort we have in Psalm 91. And I am certain that as David walks away from this, he sees and recalls and remembers the divine protection that God has given him. Then David went over to the other side and stood on the top of a hill far off, a great space being between them and David cried to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, asking, or saying, Answerest thou not, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who art thou that criest to the king? I, you, you know what you have in this passage right here? You, you have soldier to soldier. And, and you have David, not as a king here, 
but as a soldier, not impressed with Abner whatsoever. Abner, as a matter of fact, in David's eyes, I am certain, thought, Abner, you should die for what you did. You allowed the enemy to come into the camp, walk right up to the king, take his cruise of water, and to take his spear, and could have taken his life, and you lay there sleeping. And so he doesn't cry out to the king, but he cries out to Abner. And David said to Abner, Art not thou a valiant man, and who is like to thee in Israel? Wherefore then hast thou not kept the, thy lord the king? For there came one of the people in to destroy the king thy lord. This thing is not good that thou hast done. As the Lord liveth, ye are worthy to die. Because ye have not kept your master, the Lord's anointed. Now see where the king's spear is and the cruise of water that was at his bolster. And Saul knew David's voice and said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my Lord, O king. So I think that you look at David's life and you think about who he was and and here he took this seriously and and I, I I'm certain that those men that were around him uh, were sleepless whenever if David was sleepless so were his men and they would guard and protect him and they did a good job at what they were doing and and those 30 those 30 mighty men that that God records in scriptures later on the the power of God's hand upon their lives what was truly amazing, and, and, I, and I look at David, too, and I, and I look at him and think, you know, there are certain things that if we are going to do them for God, then let us make sure that we do them right. Let us make sure that we do them to the best of our ability, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. He tells us to do that, and, and whatever it is that, that we are doing for God, we ought to do it for the best of, that, that we have for God to use us. Whatever it is, whenever you go to your job tomorrow, you may hate your job, and, and you may think your, your boss is disgusting, and you might think that it's a complete dead end and, and, and some real challenges, and you're stressed out because all of that, you know what you need to do? You need to take that burden. You need to take whatever the anxiety is, and you need to lay it on the mercy seat and understand that God loves you and that, that He's placed you there for a reason and He's using that in your life to teach you and, and to train you and prepare you. And you go into your job and you do it to the best of your ability, not for the boss, not for your own well-being, but because that's what God wants you to do and do it to the best of your ability. Whatever it is, I need to do that. And there are times in my life where I look and I think, I, I need to do this ministry better. I, I need to, to make sure that, that I am, I'm taking the time and, and truly concerned for the people and loving the people like I should and, and whatever it is that I'm doing. Not, not, not wasting time when I'm studying, but making sure that I'm studying and, and, and learning what it is that, that God has for me so that I can give it to you and, and feed you and, and how I need to make sure and train myself to listen to what people are saying, not listening so that I can be preparing what I'm going to say, but truly listening to what is going on in someone's heart and thinking how we can make this ministry better and, and not to impress anybody around here, but, but truly to make it more organized and, and, and to use this to bring honor and glory to God. 
you know, as we learn, we do grow better, and, and we should, and, and we ought to see how important it is to do that. You know, I am excited about, uh, about quam. Yes, it can, it, 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 can, it can grow long by the end of the year, but let me tell you, we are making an eternal difference in a generation that is being taught everything else other than follow God. We have been given a divine calling and a divine responsibility. You know, and I've had people say that, you know, it's the family's responsibility. They are not doing it. So we will. We will. And every year we need to get better. Every year we need to have more passion for those children. Every year we ought to do better in, in how to reach them and, 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 and whatever it is, if, if, you're, if you're doing the little puzzles or whatever to help them learn the verse, then we do it better this year than we did before. When we teach the story, we teach it in a way that's going to bring honor and glory to God and help them to understand it. When we teach the verses, we're going to teach it in a way that shows the passion that we have for God. And, and as we're bringing them on the bus, that, that we can be patient with them and show them the mercies of God because they don't see it in their lives. They don't see it in their family. They don't see it on the TV. They don't see it in the world, but they can see it here. And every ministry that we have, as, as we sing in the choir, you sing to the best of your ability. I don't care whether you can sing or not. You sing to the best of your ability. That's what you do. And we preach to the best of our ability. We, we pray to the best of our ability, whatever it is. And, and you don't, you're not here to impress anybody. If, if, if pastor calls on you to pray out loud, pray out loud. It doesn't matter. what. Don't worry about what you think you sound like. You know what you're doing? You're talking to your friend. You're talking to your best friend. You're talking to the friend that, that gave his only begotten son so that you could have eternal life. You just pray to him. You talk to him. Make it simple. You just don't worry about what other people think, and you just do everything to the best of your ability. Our ushers, we do it to the best of our ability. We take care of the grounds to the best of our ability. Whatever it is, we want to do it to the best of our ability. Our God is not a beggar, and our God is not white trash. Our God is magnificent. Our God is glorious. Our God deserves everything that we have. We don't, we, you know, we, we, don't, we don't just give Him 10% of our income. We give Him everything that He wants. Whatever it is. Time, talent, treasures. Whatever God you want, you can have it. You think, we were talking about this yesterday. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Nelson, but somebody thinks, you know, they're, Thinking that, hey, God, aren't you impressed? I have $12 million in the bank. Now it's mine. I'm not impressed with that at all. What I'd be impressed with is what you're going to do with my money. What are you going to do with those talents that I gave you? What are you going to do with the, 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 the place that you live and the freedoms that you have? How are you going to use that? So here we see that I think all of that bugged David. I think it bugged David that he didn't take care of God's anointed. I also think it bugged David because Abner was a showboat. And Abner deserved to die. And he told Abner, Abner, you deserve to die for what you've done. 
I have no respect for you at all. That's pretty much what he said. You haven't, you have not kept your master, the Lord's anointed. So Saul heard him and said, Wherefore doth my Lord thus pursue after his servant? Saul, why are you pursuing after me? For what have I done, or what evil is in my hand? Now therefore I pray thee, let my Lord the king hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred thee up against me, let him accept an offering. Look, if, if this is God chastening me and has brought this about because you're doing what, what God's shown you to do, let me make an offering. Let, let me go to God and, and, and let me bring this offering to God and, and, and allow him to accept it. And, and if he doesn't accept it, then let God kill me. But let me do this, Saul, if this is the case. But if they be the children of men, Saul, if you're listening to the words of others around you, cursed be they before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. You're not allowed to come here. You're not going to serve God. You're going to have to go out there and you're going to live amongst all of the other heathen nations and live out there. Now therefore, let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea, as when one doth hunt a partridge in the mountains. You know, Peter understood a little bit about humility. He uh, was definitely probably the world's famous example of humility whenever he denied Christ. We understand that, but you know what he wrote in his epistle, first epistle, chapter 5, verse 6, he said, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. That was Peter writing that. He said, look, you need to humble yourself and let God do the exalting. David understood that. And here we see his humility. He said, Saul, why are you chasing after me? I'm but a flea in this, this great nation. I am nothing. I'm not against you. And we see the conviction that that brings upon Saul. Then said, Saul, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day, Behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, Behold the king's uh, spear, and let one of the young men come over and fetch it. The Lord rendered to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness, for the Lord delivered thee into my hand today, but I would not stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. And behold, as thy life was set by this day in mine eyes, so let my life be much set by in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Who is it that he gives all credit and all glory to? It's all to God. David knew and David understood that God's divine protection was on his life. And here we see it brought conviction upon Saul. Then Saul said to David, blessed be thou, my son David, thou shalt both do great things and also shall still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his palace. So here we see the recklessness of Saul. 
And we see the respect of David. We see how God did a wonderful work. And we're going to stop here, but I want to end with this. David just walked away from another great victory, didn't he? And here we see that once again he watches the conviction on Saul. He walks away with the hope that in this conviction that God is going to do a work in Saul and that maybe, just maybe, I can go home and see my family and see Jerusalem and come to the place where I can worship in peace and no more running and hiding like a thief. But we see God has something different. And we'll see that in chapter 27. You know what we do? Whenever we go through this and we think, finally we have victory, and then you see that the storm doesn't let up, you know what you do? You just keep going. You just keep going. And you'll see God bring you through it. But we trust him and we live for him. Let God give us Davids in this world. Let God give us Abishai's of this world. Let us follow him. Whatever may come, whatever battle may ensue, and let him give us victory as we hide under his wings and his shadow. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I pray you do a work in the hearts of each one who's here. I pray that they are prepared, ready to take on this week. And Father, whenever we come back, when these doors are open, we come back and we get refreshed, we, we get encouraged, we, we pray for one another, we lift one another up, we, we call each other throughout the week. We know that, that when, whenever there's three together, that that, that, that uh, cord is, is hard to break. I pray that you help us to have victory in our lives. I pray that this week you give us some victories in our lives that over battles and struggles that we have had for years and years and years. And this week you give us victory. And help us, Lord, as the storm keeps raging, to be faithful and trust you. I pray your blessings upon each one who's here tonight. I pray you encourage them in a special way and Thank you, Lord, for bringing them out tonight. And I pray that you will do a work in their hearts and their families. And, and Father, you'll be glorified in all we do. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.